You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Romanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. The callings that God has given us, uh, because there's really only two options in the world. Either God has called you to something or the cruel hand of fate and chance, luck, have delivered you into a place. Those are really the only two options. And so today, what we want to see is that God is not the cruel hand of fate or a dispenser of luck, but rather He is a giver of gifts, and He places you somewhere. So let me read for us from Psalm 147. I'm going to read the whole thing, but then we're going to focus in on some particular verses. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. And He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre, on stringed instruments. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. (laughs) He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor His pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. Here's where we'll focus in. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For He strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out His command to the earth. His Word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down His crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before His cold? He sends out His Word and melts them and makes His wind blow, and the waters flow. He declares His Word to Jacob, His statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt in this way with any other nation. They do not know His rules or His law, His Word. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love You. And we thank You for Your Word this morning. God, we ask that by this Word and through Your Spirit, You would be helping us to see what You have for us in this text and what You have for us 
as it relates to the, the gift of vocation. Lord, we will thank You for the many ways that we know You will bless us through Your Word as You have promised to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this psalm might seem like an odd choice for this morning, uh, right? Because we should be talking about New Testament. We should be talking about salvation. But no, we have a specific goal this morning. And here's the big idea that we need to get to. We've already talked a lot about our salvation. And we'll keep on talking about it. But here is what we need to know. Jesus has set you free from death and damnation so that you can work for your neighbor's good and his glory. Jesus has set you free from death and damnation so that you can work for your neighbor's good and His glory. I want to rewind the clock, not quite back to old Israel. What I want to do is rewind the clock to around the year eh, 1500, let's say. And in the year 1500, the church was very powerful. The church had a lot of authority. And the church gave that authority to those people who they trained to use that authority for their good. Alright? Now, in the midst of this, some things were happening. In the midst of this, there was a teaching out there that you could be saved. That Jesus alone would save you. But, you know, your sin, it's pretty serious. And because of that, even though Jesus saves you, you're going to be separated from Him and His good gifts until God deems you worthy to receive those things. And this was such a serious teaching, in fact, that for many people like you or like me, we could definitely be saved by Jesus and then... When we died, for maybe another thousand, maybe another ten thousand years, we could be held over in a, in a, I don't know of a better way of saying it, a holding cell (laughs) where eventually our souls would be released from. Now, there was a certain class of people that, um, well, we'll say it like this. You could sacrifice things in your life. You could sacrifice wealth. You could sacrifice comfort. You could sacrifice any number of good gifts that God gives, and maybe, just maybe, a little bit of time in your, um, what do we want to call it? Salvation prison. There was a special word for it back then called purgatory. Okay, Um, It would take time off your sentence there. All right, But for you, for me, uh, you know what? We had work to do. If you were a farmer, you didn't have time to sacrifice your wealth. You didn't have time to sacrifice your comfort. You needed good sleep and you needed to make sure that you saved up last year's funds to make sure that you could have a crop for next year. So at the end of the day, farmer... Could you be saved? Yeah, you could. You will, eventually. You don't have any opportunity to really pay off your debt. 
You don't have time to make a pilgrimage to Rome. You don't have time to do anything like that. Mothers in the room. You know, I know that you're busy. I know that you're sacrificing a lot. And these children wouldn't get raised without you. In fact, you mothers are raising the next generation. It just so happens that in the midst of all that raising, the next generation, you don't have time to sacrifice the way that you should. Hey, it's okay. You can just spend time in purgatory and eventually God will let you out. You're saved, just not yet. It's always a not yet. What are we to make of this? Because in a way, we all think this is kind of true. I got a message from someone this morning that said, you know, I realized how much of a sinner I am. And I'm pretty sure that God can't forgive me. This is someone that already professes faith in Christ. Deep down inside, as soon as we separate ourselves from God's Word, as soon as we separate ourselves from God's people, and we decide to just go at it in the Christian life on our own, this is automatically the first place we go to. Well, I think I'm saved, but I, how, how can I even be sure anymore? And this is exactly where the church was at around that year 1500, where the powers that be in the church were separating God's people from one another. You lawyers, you scholars, okay, you're, you're, you're good. You can sacrifice a little bit. You guys go over here. You working class people, you're over here. But me, the priest, well, <laughs> you'll never guess, but I have the ability to sacrifice much and still live well because of what the church is offering to me. So because of that, not only do I get to take time off of my sentence, right? My, my, my holdover space, but I, I also get to experience good things in this life as well. And there was one person in particular that I'm going to be referencing a lot today, Martin Luther, but a whole generation of people that were seeing the problems with this idea. And they saw that in God's Word that was now made available to them, this was not the truth about salvation. Instead, there was a whole generation of people reading Romans chapter 3 for themselves and understanding that the church was all mixed up and upside down. And so during this time period then, there had to be... Um, well, Tara and I always joke, we call it a come-to-Jesus moment, but I guess that's actually what this is, is a come-to-Jesus moment. It's the realization that something else was actually true. The realization that motherhood is an important calling from God. It's something that is placed in high value. Martin Luther once said that a mother whose, whose work is changing nappies has done more for the kingdom of God than a priest ever could. Right? Okay. That's a pretty high calling for life. Fathers in the room that are leading households who have led households. Fathers where your children have aged out and you're still working to encourage them. That is a high calling placed upon you. Husbands and wives loving one another. 
This is a dangerous and high calling placed upon you. Children in the room. Do you know what your number one job as children is? Are? I don't know what word to use there. Do you know what it is? It's to learn to obey your father and your mother. We read this many times over and over throughout Scripture. And so this brings us to our psalm this morning now. We hear in this psalm uh, something that God is doing for His first people, Israel. That He is constantly working to build them up. This is both... Um, well, it's a, the psalmist is saying something that's true, and yet, much like Psalm 46, he's also praying for something that he wishes and wishes. He's praying that God would make something more true for his people. And so here, what we have is the psalmist saying, praise the Lord, because He has provided for us. He has done great things for us. Do you ever find it odd? Now, I know that all of you are of the holy kind and you never have problems with this. But do you ever find it odd when we open up a psalm on a Sunday morning and we get something like this command multiple times here to praise the Lord? And my response to that is always like, yeah, no duh, psalmist. Why don't you give me something else that I can do? And yet the psalmist is doing something here that he knows that we need. He's saying, stop. Praise the Lord. Hey, are you listening? Stop. Praise the Lord. Why? We ask why. And the psalmist is saying, don't you see all the good things that God is doing for you? Don't you, do all, don't you see all the amazing things that He has done for you? Here in this psalm, we see God saving His people. That He is building up a stronghold for them. That He is placing them there. That He is healing their wounds and their broken hearts. Praise the Lord. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For He strengthens the bars of your gates. And He blesses your children within you. And so, here we have that reminder of praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Hey, all of God's people, praise the Lord. He, praise the, praise the Lord, O Zion. Anytime we see this word Zion, we're not only talking about the actual hill that Jerusalem is built on, but we're actually talking also about that future city that God is building for His people to dwell eternally with Him. And in that city where we are called to praise the Lord because of all the great things that He is doing, and if you're asking yourself, what are these great things? You can take a minute and you can, you can consider the ways that God is blessing you. Okay, But here's where the psalmist takes us. He strengthens the bars of your gates. Now, I'm, I'm cribbing from Martin Luther here, alright? I'm stealing everything from him this morning. Now, I will admit to you, his sermon on this is far better than mine, but you've got to work with me, not with him, alright? Uh, here's, here's what Martin Luther has to say about this. 
And this is where, really, he builds out his, his ideas about vocation or his doctrines. The beliefs that we read from Scripture about vocation and calling and the lives of God's people. The strengthening of the bars of your gates. What does it take to have strong bars on the gates? Well, it would take a blacksmith, wouldn't it? It would take a metal worker to do that. And so we can look at a verse like that and we can say, um, now, <laughs> sorry, we'll let the, I'm getting a bit distracted, sorry. No, you're fine, T. Love you, babe, thanks. All right, they're gone, guys. Let's get the biscuits, the coffee. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. Let me find my spot again here. Um, so, so the metal worker here is seen as an important figure. Uh, why? Because this is someone that God has gifted to help secure the bars on the doors and on the windows and the gates. But here, we're not just talking about metal workers, okay? Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite old movies um, is it's people standing too far back from Jesus as he's giving the Sermon on the Mount. And um, they hear him say, blessed are the peacemakers. And one of the characters says, what did he say? He says, well, I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. But clearly, he's not just talking about cheesemakers. He's talking about all dairy workers everywhere. Okay? All right, now, <laughs> we're not just talking about blacksmiths here. Okay? We're actually talking about everything that it takes to secure a city and a nation. So, are things chaos in our world? Yes, they are. Um, are there many people that are unsafe right now? Yes, there are. And yet the fact that you woke up this morning and that your body was secured, we can praise the Lord for that and we can thank Him in the same way. Why? Well, it takes a lot to make sure that those bars get put on the gates. It takes, um, yes, oftentimes corrupt and inept government officials. And yet, here we experience a sense of peace and security that many people do not have. It takes um, a police force. Okay, we won't go there, but they do something. Okay, <laughs> it takes security forces. It takes neighbors watching out for one another. It takes any number of people to make sure that things are secure. And do you know who gives all of those people those roles? God does. And so the psalmist here is telling us, because of this, to praise the Lord. He blesses your children within you. What does it take for a child to be blessed? Well, not just for uh, a man and a woman to come together. It's going to take food. It's going to take nurturing care of a husband who's providing for his family and for his wife. It's going to take a society that works so that food can be produced. 
when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we're not just praying for manna to drop down from heaven, although the psalmist says that God can do that. Where? Back in verse 10, His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor His pleasure in the legs of man. The psalmist is saying God could provide all of these good things that I'm telling you without your help. But instead, he chooses to gift callings into people's hands so that they can serve and love their neighbor and in doing that, glorify God. This means that even your coworker, whoever this person is that doesn't know Jesus, is given that calling by God and blessed by God in that work to love and serve their neighbor. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace within your borders. So now this isn't just the city, right, uh, of Jerusalem. We're now going outside all the territory, okay? Um, that is that there are, there are things in place to make sure that everything is secured. He fills you with the finest wheat. We've already talked a bit about your daily bread, but let's 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 dig into it a little bit more. Back in 2018, uh, when the roads were shut off, coming both directions into Hermanus, uh, does everyone remember how much food was in the grocery stores and how quickly we had to get the roads opened back up? Three days. With all of our grocery stores and shops in town, we have three days' worth of food for every citizen in Hermanus, and that's it. Period. <laughs> Think about that for a second, okay? Don't panic. I'm not telling you to panic. God provides that. What I am encouraging you to do, though, is think about everything that it takes to get that food into the shop on time in order for you to have food on your plate. And not only that, but... You're going to need employment to be able to be able to afford that food that goes onto the plate. And so here, when we say he fills you with the finest wheat, this is no simple thing. This is God ordaining that is working out the details of everyday life for each of us so that we can be provided for. And do you know what it takes for you to, to receive that? It takes truck drivers and it takes farmers. It takes people working in packaging facilities. It takes people working in the shops. It takes cashiers. <laughs> it takes mothers and fathers and spouses and roommates, whatever the case may be, so that that food can then be prepared and made edible as well. So when, he, when we read here that God fills his people with the finest wheat. How can we translate that into today? God operates in very complex ways to provide for His people. That's how it translates into today. I'll kind of end off here in Psalm 147 in verse 15. He sends out His commands to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Here, here we're told that God doesn't just do this, but He does this at the time that He has appointed 
that He will do it. Just after that, winter comes. And the psalm here makes winter sound pretty awful. Okay, um, Winter is awful for some of us. Um, I wish it was just a little bit colder, but I'm not trying to freeze anybody out. Okay, um, And yet the description here is one of death. is a cold, bitter death. But then what happens in verse 18? Just at the right time, He sends out His Word and He melts that cold death. I love it here because the psalmist reminds us that God's Word actually creates. He doesn't need the chariots and the warriors to make the borders safe. His Word could speak it and it would happen. He doesn't need the strength of people to provide for us in this way. His Word could speak it and it would happen. We see this in Genesis chapter 1 and we see it with the manna falling from heaven for God's first people as they wandered in the wilderness. And yet, God chooses to gift people callings so that they can serve and love their neighbor and so that they can glorify God. We read this in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Um, Anchored Baptist Church, when you go out into your work this week, whatever your work looks like, maybe you're retired and that looks like volunteering somewhere. Maybe um, your work is part-time. Maybe uh, you are a child. Uh, or maybe you are staying at home as a parent. Whatever the case may be, as you go out and do that work this week, you are doing it for the Lord. He has called you to it and He has asked you to do it for Him. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read this as well. Now, concerning brotherly love, love for one another, you have no need for anyone to write to you. Paul's saying, look, you guys are doing good work. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing, what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, your own business, and to work with your hands as we have instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. There's a couple things going on in 1 Thessalonians that, that bring in that dependent upon no one. Jesus is, uh, Paul's not calling us to live totally independent lives. Right? He's actually calling us to love one another. And He's calling us to go out into the world and love our neighbor as well. And to do that by a couple of means here. The first of which is to, live, to work towards living in a quiet life. <laughs> that is a life of peace. Where you are a peacemaker going out into the world. Where you are minding your own business. 
That is, working at the things that God has given you to do and not worrying about everyone else's stuff. And then lastly, working with your hands as they have been instructed to do. We are encouraged here to work with our hands. And now, for many of us, you might say, you know, Wade, I really hate my job and I don't want to be doing it. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. Um, Just because God has put you in a place does not mean that that place can't change. It's okay to seek other things as well. But I guarantee you that there are places that God has put you right here, right now, where He has called you to faithfulness, where He has called you to work with your hands and to lead a quiet life. I'm just going to go through a laundry list of them. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner, no offense, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's 1 Peter chapter 3. Or husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Colossians chapter 3. What about to wives? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. How about parents? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't wear them out. Not with work. We're talking about with discipline here. (laughs) Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. What about the children? Children, obey your parents as to the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. What about to all of us in any place that God has put us? Well, you have to get through some of the language, but Ephesians chapter 6. Slaves, (laughs) obey your earthly masters with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor with their, when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for, whether, for whatever good He does, whether He is slave or free. What about employers, masters, or employers? Treat your employees in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Now, that's just a laundry list of things that each of us in some way are called to. But we also all know that we fail at this, right? Um, mothers, fathers in the room, uh, or those that once had children in their household, we know that we fail at this. And um, sometimes it, it feels like there are seasons where you can't win at all in those areas. There are times when um, parenting is extraordinarily difficult. There are times when marriage is very difficult. There are jobs or seasons in jobs that are excruciating. 
And we also know that it's not only our sin that affects those things, but it's the sin of others that affect those things. So we brought up some corruption and greed and things like that. But even in our home here in Hermanus, which is relatively safe compared to many places, we know that greed and corruption and people acting with selfish motives are constantly tearing down that peace and that security that God has built up around us through people that are faithfully serving their neighbor. Not to call on David again, but David's work is the constant experience of people acting selfishly and then not fulfilling the roles given to them by God. And there can be many, many things that stand in their way of doing that. But it does not change the outcome or the end of what David experiences in his work. And so, we are called to faithfulness in our relationships, in our work, in all the things that God has called us to. And not just because um, it is good for us, but it's actually good for the household of faith, and it's good for our whole community. And we know that God created all things, that God sustains all things. In fact, He has given that role to Jesus. We confess that often together. And He has given you a part to play in that. You know, along with um, these different callings, whether it be parenting or husband and wife or being a good roommate, uh, whatever kind of role you find yourself in, and it could be many of these different roles put together. There's one other role that during the time of the Reformation, we were all called to that previously had dropped off the map of the church. And that is the role of priest. In 1 Peter 2, we read this, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, now Peter is speaking to the church, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, 
but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This was something that God's people were always meant to be. And that is a nation of priests. People that God has called to be listening to one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, hearing the confession of one another, and forgiving one another on account of what Jesus has done for you. This... um. This all plays out in lots of different ways. Uh, but I would like to read just from one thing that is a part of our church's documents, for lack of a more exciting term. Um, one more rundown of uh, vocations and what it is that God has called you to and why it is that He has called you there. When we scatter as a church, we are sent out into the world clearly about the mission that Jesus has set before us. We are daily sent into varied vocations, that is, locations and relationships that God has put us in, to do good work for our neighbors and proclaim the gospel to them as we are able. In our homes, we are called by God to be husbands, wives, parents, children, and or good roommates. (laughs) From our homes, we are also to be friendly and helpful neighbors who are eager to serve, From our homes, we should be welcoming the fellowship of God's people and extending a hand of hospitality to those who do not yet know Jesus. These are all relationships of discipleship that can take place around a meal or any other everyday activity. It's something that you can do and that you've been called to be faithful with. If you're unsure as to how God can use you, it is most likely that you have not yet seen the people placed directly in front of you. And an invitation to share a meal and to share time with another person are powerful tools, both for evangelism and for building up, that is, for discipling. In the world, you have most likely been called to a particular vocation. If you clean, do so in the name of Jesus. If you build or cook or crunch numbers, do so as in service to Christ. If you can invite someone into your life and share Christ with them, then that is a good thing. But no matter what you do, you are called to perform your work well. And that is a good work that we read about in Ephesians chapter 2. Something laid out in front of you so that you would walk in them. And not only that, but there are third places or non-home and non-job places that God has called you to. Those are places of recreation, social activities, volunteer action. It can be a knitting club or a cigar club or an environmental organization or gyms. Whatever it is, good, be there. And give forgiveness, the forgiveness and hope of Jesus to those who you find that are burned out, surrendered, used up, pained with guilt and shame, or lost in blind joys of this world. It's all these places that you have been called to as a Christian. And it's all these places that um, take away your need 
to somehow be moving up a spiritual ladder like what Martin Luther was experiencing, but instead just to live the life that God has laid out before you and to live it well. And in doing that, you will be working both for the good of your neighbor and for the glory of God. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.